0: This
1: is, this is Zach Welcome. Today's podcast clip comes from an interview with Simona Bronzi from RAA. Do you how do you keep up to date with all the stuff that's happening in the industry? Like, do you is there certain websites or do you read certain books? Or like how do you keep up to date with the latest trends in marketing, or where's your information coming from?
0: Um, I think. I've had a lot of really good opportunities through work to
1: um,
0: attend virtual conferences. So since COVID, that's been, um, you know, instead of flying to Sydney for Mumbrella, we've been able to watch Mumbrella from our conference room, which is awesome because it's given us um, sort of a whole team the opportunity to to, um, be exposed to that, whereas it might have just been a few people before because of expenses of going to Sydney. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did a work-from-home masterclass right when covid ha- started um they wanted to keep us engaged so they enrolled the whole marketing team in a mark ritson work from home master class which was really cool um i yeah i'm subscribed to sort of umbrella um like marketing journals and things like that um our agency also have quite a few sessions um that we can drop in on if we're interested um they had one on friday about cookies which was quite topical um how privacy laws are changing so they tend to keep us pretty up to date on things as well um and just talking to people on my team yeah finding out what's kind of going on i scroll probably too much on social media and linkedin and i read things there
1: yeah i think linkedin is actually quite useful because people share things either that they've done or they share things that they think will be useful for everyone else so it's kind of like if you've Follow people or are connected with people who are in similar fields or like minded, whatever. They're kind of like your personal content curators. Yeah. Um, I see that, like I mentioned before, um, like you work with a, a, a one of my friends, um, Travis Murphy, and uh, Travis is a real big wine buff. And so he's constantly looking at deals and he knows what's very good value. He knows what all the good regions are. And like I've learned so much from him and I still know very little in wine compared to him. Um, but he'll always be sending through messages being like, Oh, you know, did you wanna go halves on like, you know, a case of this wine and it's normally sixty dollars, but you know, we can get it for twenty a bottle and we'll we'll split shipping and and it's like amazing because I know Trav has very good taste in wine and I don't then have to do the the bulk legwork for it. So I kind of see Trav in some way as my like wine personal curator. You have the same <laughs> service with um LinkedIn. And yeah, um, exactly it, it's quite cool. Um even like Twitter, I find I mean Twitter could be a bit of a dodgy place um where people are not very nice people and everything like that, but I think in some sense. It, and once again, if you're not following, especially political things, and you're following industry based stuff about marketing, it can be a rich source of information. Mm-hmm. Um, I so, don't actually have Twitter. Oh, really? I
0: have to admit. <laughs> I, yeah, it's the one social media platform I've just never, I probably have a profile that I've set up like years ago and never used. The one I've just never really quite gotten onto.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. it's it depends on what you want to use it for. It's definitely not as yeah. professional as LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, and, like, so Mumbrella, I think, is quite useful as well. I see a little bit of overlap yeah. with some of the other places. Like, like do you go to, like, Ad Age or Ad Week and um, B&T and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I get a few things through. If someone in my team comes across something that's interesting, they'll flick it through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I would like to actually invest a bit more time in um, upskilling. Now that I've finished uni, I think there's a bit more capacity for me to do something outside of work, but I might, make that a focus for next year um, mm. doing some some study to do with my profession Just have a little break for a bit
1: yeah i thought what was really interesting to learn like um of course there's these online conferences happening instead which is you know like you said good in one sense more people from your team sucks in another sense because you don't get the gala dinners at the end of it where yeah. it's a really really fun night <laughs> yeah um and also you know networking's never the same and like when you're in person, it's really nice to actually be around other humans. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that I learned just then was um, that your agency is actually being quite proactive in terms of bringing you in and teaching you about the latest things that's affecting them because it affects mm-hmm. you as well, like cookies and mm-hmm. privacy laws and stuff like that. If they, I suppose, from their perspective, if they didn't produce these for you, you might ask for things that are impossible. Um yeah. yeah, that's really, really cool. Is this is this something um that your team like how often do you have these and how, how useful would you find them?
0: Um so sort of pre-COVID, um we did a lot more kind of in person things and then it it's honestly I keep waiting to get a quiet time because when COVID hit we're like, oh we're not gonna be that busy because marketing's not that offense, like you know, it is, but it's not like if things are really drastic, like the things the RA need to keep operational like insurance claims and things like that and helping people with that so we were like well you know maybe we'll have a bit of quiet time um where we can just focus on optimizing things but it just never happened so <laughs> um we were a bit deprived of in-person networking and things last year but we had the online um courses to make up for it. and I noticed there were heaps of webinars and like I'm part of business too so they have Um, pretty cool webinars as well that I can watch Um, and I find them really useful for professional development as well and just you know things like um how to overcome um like uh, imposter syndrome and things like that that's Mm. something I definitely struggle with um but yeah in terms of our agency doing these Friday night sessions um they I think they do them every Friday amongst their team, it's kind of a nice way to debrief, talk about anything that's topical, and then occasionally they'll invite us along if it's something relevant to us. So, yeah, it's really cool.
1: And is it fairly informal, like a discussion, or is it more of a presentation?
0: Um, no, it's just kind of sit down with some cheese and wine and a, a bit of a panel, and everyone's kind of talking about things. Um, that's where I thrive. I love networking events, yeah. um, and it's really good to see that they're picking back up again.
1: Yeah, that sounds really nice, and yeah, we are quite yeah. fortunate being in South Australia that you know we can we can go to a, a sports game and have forty thousand people in an arena. Yeah, because um, yeah. I hear about the arenas being in the US; they're basically COVID drives where you line up with thousands of other people waiting for your for your vaccine.
0: Yeah, no, it's um, um sort of a bit surreal being in Australia and South Australia when you're watching what's going on. Yeah, okay.
1: we are super fortunate. Um, yeah. you, t- you touched on networking and, like, you know, there's so much value in meeting people and, you know, that face to a name and, and having that conversation. And, 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 and you know, you, you talk about professional things, but you can also get to know them as, a, as an actual person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what what advice would you give to people about networking events? Like you, men- you mentioned business chicks as well. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard quite good things about that naturally have not attended. <laughs> um,
0: men are welcome
1: though. Are they? I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like to the breakfast and things like that. Um, yeah, there's men there.
1: I had no idea. Yeah. Um business dudes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, <clears throat> I think it's great. And um yeah, so what what advice would you have? Because these events can be quite scary. And they can be quite intimidating, especially like I remember going to some of these events when I was still in uni and you'd be seeing these mm-hmm. people who are, you know, the marketing directors of this company or the marketing director or marketing manager of this one or just everyone seems so intimidating. What would your advice be about how to approach people? And, and um, yeah, that's probably pretty useful.
0: Um, I think I've always been quite comfortable approaching people which isn't the norm um but I recognize that that might not be everyone's cup of tea but I guess something that might help um someone who hasn't been to a networking event before is like getting a friend along just so you have someone there with you um and then at least you don't feel so alone but also just like going up and talking to someone just saying hello because chances are they also feel the same even if they are someone who is you know, a director of a company or whatever, that everyone feels a bit anxious at these things. And I think it's just about recognising that they still are people and it's you don't need to put them on some pedestal or someone that you can't talk to. I've always found anyone that I've talked to really welcoming and I've never felt that someone's, like, position has been intimidating towards me or affected the way that they treat me.
1: (laughs) What what sort of stuff would you recommend that they talk about?
0: Um, oh, I usually just start with "Hey, hey," going, "What's your name?"
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> or like you know, talk about the event that you're at, or you know, if you just had food, talk about the food, or you know, just a just a sort of icebreaker conversation starter, and then um, ask them a bit, bit bit about what they're doing, and then they talk to you about what you're doing, and it kind of just seems to flow from there after the initial, um sort of awkwardness of starting the conversation but that's that's been my experience and I do find it quite easy to talk to people that I don't know
1: yeah and if you were a young say graduate and you were uh you know maybe finishing uni in about six months time do you think that that is a it's a good opportunity at that point to I don't even know what the norms are these days do people use business cards anymore or is it just I'll find you on like LinkedIn as we were talking about earlier um yeah, how, and and then putting yourself out there to be like, you know, I'm going to finish in six months' time. I'm looking for yeah. a potential role. Do you have anything like what, what's how how on earth do you breach that conversation?
0: Um. Yeah, LinkedIn is definitely a good thing. There's been a few people. I, I think my early years of uni, um, I just went to. I don't know what other unis do, but Flinders had networking events for students, and they had like industry speakers come along. Um, and even like the student association ran like a first year mixer where they'd have people um, that have graduated talking about their career journeys, and and um, that's kind of a really nice way to ease into it. Is just doing things through uni. Um, and I remember there was a there was one that I went to. I can't even remember what it was about, but I actually ended up speaking to someone about how I was looking for a role, and they had kind of hinted that they had something full time coming up. Um, and that I should apply for it. And at that point in time, I think I was still in my first year or semester, so I was kind of like, nah. Um, but I probably could have explored that opportunity a bit, a bit more. So I think it's it's surprising how open people are to talking to uni students about these things. And I think especially if they're coming along to uni to talk to people, they, they want you to talk to them about opportunities.
1: Yeah, actually, when you put yourself in their shoes they're not just attending for uh, something to do these people are quite busy and they have lives and they'd much prefer to be with you know their family or kids or friends or hobbies or whatever and they probably have a reason that they're there and and it is to speak to you so that's probably Mm -hmm. a good mindset of going in there to be like you know this person's all have a have an intimidating title and you know they're like 20 years older than me and, and and I'm just um you know like pimple uni student who, you know, what have I got to offer? To be like, you know, actually they're kind of also there for, for for me and that's probably a good mindset to go in there. Obviously not an arrogant way, but to be like, you know, they don't care if I introduce myself because they're looking yeah. for a, um, a bright student to take on board because they they potentially have a role or they, have, they know of roles that are coming up. Yeah,
0: definitely. I
1: love that. That's a really good way of putting it. It's a really good way of putting it for sure um so you also talked about uh like reading academic journals is that something that you're still doing um
0: oh that was more for uni but okay. it, i actually find them interesting
1: <laughs> yeah. Some, some, some yeah, I think yeah consumer
0: behavior really interests me um and there's a i've always had a bit of an interest in psychology and it, i wanted to combine psychology and marketing um but i didn't like the idea of doing so many extra years of uni to get a psych degree as well um mm. but i think that i like reading about those sorts of
1: things
0: um and i probably don't allocate enough time for doing it but when i was at uni i would come across a few more things like that
1: yeah that's really interesting because um i mean you know i'm an, an academic and i find some of the articles quite useless if i'm honest with you like i yeah. look at such <laughs> nuanced things that like there was a piece of research about how the temperature in a room changed like the satisfaction scores that people were giving. And it's like, Oh, cool. Cause that's something I can control yeah. if I'm the brand yeah. manager of Coca-Cola, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and then by you, if they do like a big, you know brand tracker of like a thousand people what are they going Mm -hmm. to ask you like can you estimate the temperature of your room and then what weight that by the scores that they're given like you know in terms of priorities of things it's like that's not very important um Mm
0: -hmm. Um, i think one that i it's been a while since i've read anything but Gartner's a really good resource i don't know if it's specifically academic but it's more along that more evidence-based um Sort of articles rather than opinion pieces. But I think it's I think it's important to have a bit of both, Yeah. Um, especially in the age of social media where, you know, fake news spreads pretty quickly. We you just do the fairy bread thing, um, the cancel fairy bread.
1: No, I haven't so, heard
0: of that. Oh, so that was a... And I, I haven't looked into it. I just saw it on um, social media, but basically um, I think some media in terms of the, a newspaper were tasked with creating a fake story. Or, or someone was tasked with creating a fake story for newspapers to pick up and run. And it was a petition to cancel fairy bread. <laughs> <laughs> and it was completely fake. And it was just to illustrate how things can be thrown out of context
1: with the media. And actually, um, I think I did read that. Can travel. Yeah. And I, I saw the comments of it. And, and it was just like people arguing and that pe- people were yeah. taking sides on this thing. Yeah. yeah. And it was like. That
0: wasn't even a thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even a thing. <laughs> yeah just makes you think like, yeah, because literally, like, and that's kind of like the pros and cons of open yeah. networks. It's like everyone has a voice, um, yeah. but you have to like filter out the voices, I suppose, like the credible ones and the, yeah. the not so credible ones, that's for sure. Um, and that's why I think, you know, uh, like peer-reviewed journals and those scientific journals are supposed to be the safe haven of this knowledge. Um, and then you know, you tr- that, I think that's one thing that the Institute tries to do, which is like, we don't promote anything that we don't have, like an abundance of evidence to show that mm-hmm. this is the case. And, you know, I've been to conferences and I've spoken to different sponsors and I've gone to different universities, a number of different universities throughout the world and presented, and I've never gotten even the slightest bit close to the level of feedback and, like, not criticism, but, like, scepticism that you get from your own colleagues here. Like, yeah. Um, It is it is robustly insane like everything that you put forward it's like have you thought of this have you thought of that double check this this person said that how do you account for this and it's like oh my god like i had a 30 minute presentation that went for two hours the other day because it was just that much scrutiny on everything i was saying um Mm -hmm. but you don't get that with a lot of things these days
0: Mm. and i think
1: and yeah it sort of makes you become skeptical of people's claims and and we have these cool devices that sit in our pocket and we can check things pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if you remember like when, uh, when I was a teenager, when was that like 16 years ago and these phones were crap and there was like no internet and it would cost you a fortune for a megabyte of data. Um, And one of your friends would come out with some absolute load of rubbish and You'd be like, I don't think that's true, but there's no way I can disprove it you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now you yeah. literally can. You can just be like, No, I don't think what you're saying is true. Like, I will just yeah. give that a quick Google, um, and then you can find a, a a credible source and be like, Yeah, no, you kind of you're a little bit off there, or you're over exaggerating to prove your point. Um, yeah, yeah. And in terms of a, a marketing situation, I suppose. Uh, how does that relate to people's, what you're doing? So I suppose that provides you with evidence about what metrics are important to focus on to grow your brands and everything like that.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's... I think before my time at RIA, um I was working for small companies and often in marketing roles where I was kind of doing basically everything. I didn't have all these experts to tap into, didn't have, um, you know, an agency to um, guide me as well. And I think the benefit of being so large scale is having access to like a market research team that can Mm. show what our members actually think and also just like having year-on-year performance metrics and having different campaigns to compare things to. And I think something that I've really um, improved and, and enjoyed about working for RIAs just making more data-driven decisions, um, and that's something that I definitely want to learn a bit more about. Is because naturally I'm not a numbers person. I've always shied away from maths. I don't know how I passed quant methods that you need numerical. I honestly cried when I saw that I passed. Like I just <laughs> got a pass um, because you know that that's not where my skills lie. But I think having it put into a way that makes sense for my role and makes sense for marketing um, is really good and it makes sense. So um, I would like to work on those skills a bit more and and learn a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, you're talking about making sort of data-based or data-driven decisions and making sure that you're focusing on sort of evidence-based stuff. Um, How does that sort of research shape everything that you're doing or through your role anyway?
0: Um, I guess it's there's that part of it but then i guess it's also hard um sometimes when we work on these new products because often we don't have a benchmark to go from sometimes it is just completely new products and we can go well this company overseas is done something similar this might work but a lot of it's just like test and learn and just constantly reviewing what we're doing but that's still making data-driven decisions mm-hmm. because we're going okay we did this campaign what were the results should we try it again, again, and like slightly tweak it and see what result we get? Should we target it towards different people this time? Should we do different ads that different demographics? Like, it's um, yeah, it's just about testing it out at the start, and then once you've got that baseline to go from with our more established products, and we can go, well, we know this channel really works for this product in this demographic, and these are the people that use the service most. And we get that from market research and from previous years' data, Um, and yeah, we've got the the market research team who can do like NPS surveys to make sure that we're meeting uh, members' expectations. I say members instead of customers because, you know, they're not customers' RIA, they're members. Um, We have a huge membership base. I think it's over 750,000 people in SA.
1: Wow. It's a huge penetration into the market.
0: Yeah, it's massive. Um, and it's
1: awesome because Hey guys, it's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and practitioners, you do not want to miss these. In the meantime if you're looking for another way to connect then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury that is Z-A-C A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y for my take on the marketing issues of the day.